0: Welcome to UCF Nightline, your source for UCF sports
1: and former player information.
0: Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew Fagley coming to you from the 1148 studios. This is episode number 49, and joining me as always is Trace Trelko. Hello, everyone. Andrew. It is game week. How exciting is that? <laughs> it's pretty exciting. That's, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this.
1: We've been so, talking about this uh, for months now. It's finally here.
0: Finally it is here.
1: It's an awesome feeling. And we're going to help folks get into game week uh, with a couple of interviews.
0: Yeah, we have Pete Pellegrin, who is the FIU football analyst uh, on the radio for them. He's joining us a little later. You and spoke with talk. him and... Yeah, and broke
1: down uh, the Golden Panthers. And then you spoke with Tom James. Tom James, former UCF alum, uh, taking a big picture look at the program from doing radio up in north central Florida. So he's got a bit of a different angle on things. But he does, uh, what's the f- show? Southern Pigskin Tonight. Yeah. Southern uh, Pigskin a syndicated uh, college football uh, program on the radio.
0: That's cool. So yeah, those two people should give us a lot of insight. Today the depth chart came out. There's a bunch of stuff going on. I have an announcement to make, though, and this is exciting. Dun, dun, dun. I should have I should have had some kind of music breaking music up. yeah something yeah. from Nightline I could have got the thing from Nightline <laughs> on the you know anyway Kyle Israel will join us next week starting next week actually because it's going to be a thing that he's going to do for every game. He's going to help us break down the the game from the week before. Former
1: so. UCF quarterback Kyle Israel. Yeah, in that's the, awesome. In
0: the house. That's like having Terry Bradshaw or oh, something.
1: Yeah, who's on Southern Pigskin tonight. <laughs> right, yeah. No, that's but, that's pretty cool. But still, cool. yeah. Kyle's it, gonna it's awesome.
0: To... So, thank you, Kyle Israel, for doing that, and it's going to be really exciting, because I think that he can give us, you know, even more insight into what's going on out there and things that he saw and, and everything. So.
1: And, you know, the other way we're getting ready for the the start of the season there will be some editing on sunday night for those of you who are wondering on our overtime that is coming uh in a couple of days yeah
0: and we are working on that we're we're working on it we're working on it feverishly so that will be coming yes. out on youtube on tuesday evening is what i'm going to say i'm not going to make it as late as i normally put the podcast out but i'm going to say tuesday evening
1: and that will include interviews with players on both sides of the ball and head coach George O'Leary, and uh, get you right in the mood. Watch that. You'll have what you need.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be great.
1: So it's game week, like you said earlier. That's Thursday. Absolutely awesome. Six o'clock at the Bright House, where UCF has done pretty darn well in season openers since uh, moving into the new stadium.
0: UCF has won seven straight home openers and is 23-13 and 13 overall in season openers. But so. really good of late. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Really good of late.
0: And they have five-game winning streak against in-state schools, so that's good. Hopefully we don't mess that up. True, um, true. No, that's if I yeah. you could be a formidable opponent though.
1: Mm. They could be. Mm, we'll have predictions in a few moments, yeah. but I don't know that I'm using the word formidable. Well, I was looking for
0: a a big word. That is a big word. Yeah, it's a big word for me. I try to <laughs> try to
1: not use the the big words.
0: Also, it will be the debut of the Carl Black and Gold Cabana.
1: All right, can we just talk about the X's and O's on both (laughs) sides of the ball and the depth chart? A depth chart did come out today. Any surprises as you glance over it?
0: I'm not surprised by anything, really. A couple, you know, things that I was hoping would be there and and are not. I was hoping for a couple of the freshmen to get on as as starters.
1: But yet there are some freshmen. There are a couple.
0: There are a couple. Um, one of those that I was hoping, I, I really was hoping Tyler Houdanik would step up and be on that offensive line at the he's right young, guard though, position. Right? I mean,
1: maybe that's a sign of strength.
0: Yeah, he's young. He's on the depth chart. He's number two. So he's going to see playing
1: time. Yeah. He's, he's not
0: gonna, you know, not going to be red shirted this year. I also was hoping Cameron Stewart maybe would make it into the wide receiver ranks, which, um, Tristan Payton did, which is cool. We'll, you know, he was the, one of the most highly touted mm-hmm. recruits anyway that we had. Now that's not the only change, right?
1: The, there was another depth chart change at wide receiver.
0: Yeah. Nick Paddy is up there pretty high, actually. He's the third wide receiver. We mentioned is... this last week.
1: I don't know. We, we talked when we went out to uh, fan fest yeah. that we had an opportunity to talk to coach Beckton, and he was big on, big on Nick Patty. Yeah. yeah. So he's in there. So
0: I guess let let's just talk about this from the top. Let's do that. So for quarterbacks and and this who's is, it going to be? Okay, no drama. There. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, not unlike last year, Justin Holman has been given the keys to the UCF offense, which he's not been given. He's earned. Well, earned and given because he's I a leader th- on this team. I think he probably team. earned it last year as well, but he was not given the keys to Daddy's you know Corvette. He was given the keys to the sideline golf cart last year
1: for me he was the most impressive interview that we conducted during media day oh absolutely he was poised he was confident absolutely yeah answered the questions directly uh he believes he's in, a big in this. dude he's, too. he's
0: big. like he's <laughs> was he's taller when you're right up in a you know talking to him three feet away than you would think he's a It's big just guy. the pads they're wearing No, they're well, he wasn't wearing the, any the, pads the, the, the that pigs. i don't think they were wearing any sure. pads. They weren't, no no, they, no they, were they
1: were just in jerseys yeah yeah
0: And you'll see that on Overtime. (laughs) Subtle (laughs) plug (laughs) number two.
1: Subtle plug number
0: two. So anyway, now the number two on the quarterback is Tyler Harris and then Bo Schneider. We were wondering, a lot of people were speculating and wondering if Bo Schneider would be thrown into that second spot. He is listed as number three, and I I don't, they may have a walk-on quarterback
1: as well. But anyway, It would be nice to have some healthy leads in some of these games. You know, FIU, Furman come to mind, where your backup quarterback could get some playing time.
0: Absolutely. So that will be Tyler Harris. And then to running back, Will Standbeck, Don Dontrevious Wilson, Taj McGowan, and C.J. Jones. No big, you know,
1: things there, I don't think. No, no surprises there. It's this pretty is, much... Um, especially with the changes in wide receiver, this is a year with this offense where we really need to see the consistent production out of the running game. And I know that wasn't just running backs. That had to do a little bit, a lot with the offensive line. Uh, but we really need those guys. Uh, yeah, Will Stanbeck has got to have up. a
0: good year this year.
1: I mean, it's—, it, it's I'm hoping all it, those injury things are behind him. It and is this the most is important
0: position campaign. that's there, I think. He has to have a good year. On to the offensive line, Aaron Evans, Tariq Cook, Joey Grant, Colby Watson, and Luke Palmer— I nice was... to see
1: Joey Grant back. He had a tough year last year with all of the injury issues. Yeah,
0: he's had a tough t- t- couple of years, actually. So, yeah, good to see him there. I was hoping Tyler Hudanik would be up there, but he's listed as second. Wide receiver, again, we talked about a little bit. Jordan Akins, Traquan Smith, Nick Patty, Chris Johnson, Tristan Payton, and Jordan Franks. That's a tad bit interesting um, with the Nick Patty. Being listed, you know, number three. I don't know if if that's actually the order. I, I believe that it is. Traquan Smith and Jordan Aikens will be the the two top ones.
1: And Jordan Aikens will have on overtime. There you go. There's number three. Plug. Yep, he's in there too. <laughs> yeah. Here's your number three plug.
0: And then, tight end Michael Campbell or Cal Bloom. It's not uh, actually, you know, one of the two. Um, it's, it could be both. It, you know, they're not listed one or two. They're going to block. H back. Cedric Thompson and Aaron Conkren, who is actually a freshman as well, and we talked to him this year. He is a big dude. You'll know when he's on the field because he's huge um, for an H-back or fullback or whatever you want to call him. So no
1: real surprises. No real surprises. From what we saw, not having the opportunity with the closed practices to see much of the team, everything sort of fell pretty much as we We anticipated it would.
0: Yeah, a little bit of defense here. Luke Adams and Thomas Niles will be the ends. Nothing real big there. They were the starters from 2014. Jemias Pittman and Lance McDowell, also top guys. Sam linebacker will be Chacon Burkett and Dimitri Brim. And then middle linebacker Dominic Spencer or Maurice Russell. That'll be a big, big, big spot to fill that was... Terrence Plummer's spot and that will be I think a little bit difficult for guys it's just it's always interesting because the middle linebacker is kind of like the quarterback for the defense and it's hard to fill those shoes of a guy that was there as long as Terrence Plummer was you know and did such a good job and you'll be seeing one of those guys getting yelled at quite a bit by George O'Leary I guarantee (laughs) it because I remember you know and I talked to Terrence about this at one point that George O'Leary would just rail him, you know, and it was the first year that he was the middle linebacker, it was more, and then the second year it was a little less, you know, and and all that. It worked out good, though, for him. Uh, Mark Rucker will be the Will linebacker and Earl Clark, and then cornerbacks will be Shaquille Griffin and DJ Killings. Kyle Gibson is also listed second, and Jeremy Boykins listed on the other side second. The safeties, Trey Neal and Drico Johnson. Nothing, you know, horribly exciting there either that, you know, we knew that Draco Johnson, we knew that he was going to be there
1: again. We talked last week from, you know, my concern is that part of the ball, the the, the defensive secondary with all of the changes that we've had, but, and we talked about that previously as well. You, you think with the guys that they've had stepping up, that it may not be as awkward a, a, a transition as, as we fear.
0: You know, what's interesting here on the safeties thing as well, TJ Mutcherson, which is the guy from, iowa state that comes over from there i thought that he would be maybe in one of those starting spots they had talked about corner so maybe he'll be the nickelback or or something like that when we run a a a multiple corner setup i guess yeah and then matthew Wright for kicker both kickoffs and place kicking caleb houston for the punter gage merit i can't i can't say his last name for some reason Gage Marcel, I think it is. Marcel or Marceal is the uh, long snapper. Caleb Houston will be the holder. And Jordan Aikens will be both kickoff and punt returner, which will be interesting. They've got Jordan
1: Aikens in quite a few spots, don't they? They
0: do. So they're really counting on Jordan Aikens, which I think they can. He is a a mature guy. (laughs) He's been around. You know, he, he spent those four years playing minor league baseball. He's an adult. He's, you know, older than a lot of these guys, and I think he can handle those things. And he ran some great kickoff and punt returns last year, that one at Penn State in Ireland that he almost ran back.
1: Page seven of the uh, media notes has the pronunciation guide. And uh, I probably should have looked at that. Gage Marcel, Marcel. Marcel. I think I, think I said
0: that at one point Marcel. when I went through it four or five Were times. Were there any through. other ones that you have? I don't know, but I, I need to look at page seven, I guess. Page so. seven. Seven. Has it here. for you. Okay, yeah. yeah. So. Bottom page seven. There's yeah. your pronunciation guide. Oh, there it guide. is right there. Yeah, look. How do they say... Oh, yeah, it's Della Hay. Remember we were talking about that yeah. last, last week? Yeah. This pronunciation
1: guide, quite helpful. And Houdanic, because we talked about that with Brandon last week as well. But from experience, when we get to news and notes later on in the program, we will not have that kind of pronunciation Well,
0: you guide. write the news and notes, so why don't you give me a pronunciation
1: guide? I write the news and notes... During the week, from the various uh, outcomes of uh, sporting events for the other programs. Well, next week I expect a <laughs> expect me to balance work and everything else yeah, by yeah. looking up pronunciation. Well, now, and we're we not trying to our, miss. We're, we're f- not trying to mispronounce those kids are important Absolutely. in all of their various programs. Absolutely.
0: I mean, I have and, a. We both have weird last names that people butcher constantly.
1: How do they say yours?
0: Oh man, I don't. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> okay. they, they say all. Oh, okay, so people... Feagley. People Feagley? can't... I get that, yes. People don't understand that P and H make an F sound. I get peggly all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's spelled P-H-E-G-L-E-Y, if y'all don't know. So, yeah, I love to say when people call me on the phone. Did you call me on the pone or the phone?
1: <laughs> because P-H makes an F sound, fegly. Anyway, this is the English. What what time are we at on the English uh, and the speaking lessons part of the program? We're there. So anyway, back to um, the game coming up, Uh, we're going to have predictions in a few moments. Uh, Very interested in folks if they want to send us their predictions. This is a good opportunity to mention. Follow us on Twitter, UCF underscore Nightline. Like us on Facebook. Uh, Let us know what you think. We're on
0: Instagram as well, which is also UCF Nightline. We're not on Pinterest. Because that's kind of a girl site. Yeah, it's kind of a girl site.
1: Pictures. Are we on Snapchat? Then I'm not aware. We're not
0: on Snapchat. We probably need to be, though. I'll work on that.
1: I don't really... I think I'm too old for Snapchat. I don't know. Maybe not. That's the thing that evaporates, right? in like 10 seconds i think so, so how yeah. is it how is it that we would be on snapchat we'd post something that would disappear
0: you have to yeah you have to post a video so i think oh. on snapchat i don't know we'll check it out we'll see what we can do so i think now would be a good time to hear from pete pellegrin
1: yeah we uh you spoke with him earlier in the week and he helps break down the golden panthers
0: Nightline podcast deep dive into this week's opponent, FIU, features a conversation with Pete Pellegrin. Pete was the Miami Herald's FIU beat writer since the football program started in 2002 through 2009. Then Pete came to work at FIU in the same capacity in 2010, where he is FIU's radio broadcaster for football, baseball, and basketball. Pete, how you doing? Good, how are you? Welcome to the Nightline podcast. Thank you very much for joining us.
2: Oh, thanks for having me on.
0: So UCF got the better of... Of the uh, Golden Panthers in their last meeting, but the Knights fans are still stinging from a loss at FIU in 2011. That was a good year for FIU, but there have been some struggles since. What's your take on the team as it enters the 2015 season?
2: Well, this is uh, year three of Ron Turner's uh, tenure here at FIU and it's you know, probably his most talented team of the first two seasons. Uh, it's an older, more experienced team and defensively, this is uh, a defense made up of juniors and seniors that uh, last year were among the leaders in the nation, number five in the nation in takeaways, and uh, 35th in the nation in, I believe, total defense and other numbers like that. So uh, the strength of this team is certainly the defense, and it's front seven, the defensive line, and the linebackers.
0: If you could come up with any weakness, what would the weakness be?
2: Right now it's the offensive line. It's a little banged up, and it's very inexperienced. There's only really uh, one returning starter on the O-line. That's the left tackle, Diego Joseph, and then the Other four are guys that have been with the program before, but have either redshirted or really have not played. And if they have played, maybe it's been one start. For example, uh, center Michael Montero made one start in his first uh, two years here at FIU.
0: So this year, the Knight fans are looking to quarterback Justin Holman to take another step in his development. Tell us about FIU's quarterback situation and FIU's keys to revving up its offense this year.
2: Well, the quarterback's Alex Magoo, he was a true freshman last year, and as you might imagine with a true freshman, a lot of ups and downs uh, with Alex. He's a sophomore now. Last year he had to look over his shoulder because E.J. Hilliard, who was the incumbent starter, started the year as the starter until Magoo took the job from him. But then when Magoo struggled at times, Hilliard would be thrown back into the game. So it really wasn't a settled situation. This year Magoo knows that he's the guy going in. He's the starter. Very inexperienced at the backup quarterback position with freshman uh, and a sophomore there. Alex, uh, you know, his success is really last year he had trouble hitting the deep ball and that's not all his fault because FIU didn't really have a talented core of receivers last year where it's gotten better this year and then again you know it doesn't matter if you have Peyton Manning back there if your offensive line can't block for you you're going to have a tough day and I think that's the issue with FIU starting this season is whether this offensive line can give Magoo time and open up holes for the running game which uh, has some very talented running backs
0: Well we know at UCF how that is we had some offensive line issues ourselves I think hopefully we've got those worked out out with a bunch of returning people as well, so we know all about that. On the FIU sports blog, The Prowl, you wrote that the defense looks to be the strength of this year's team. Who should the Knights be focused on, and how do you think FIU will do against UCF's offense?
2: The two defensive ends, Michael Wakefield and Denzel Pirine, are preseason All-Conference USA. They are both seniors, both likely to get a look in the NFL next year if not drafted, and those guys really are uh, really good speed, good power off the edge. Defensive tackles are also a senior lot with Lars Coote, Darian Dyson, and Leonard Washington, and Marjay Albury. So right there, a lot of depth on the defensive line that could make it tough for UCF to run the ball. And then if you get past them, FIU has three talented linebackers in Trayvon Williams at the mic, Davison Coleman, and Anthony Wint. They're not the biggest guys, but they have a lot of speed and really have a nose for the ball. Really the only inexperience for FIU defensively is are the two safeties who are brand new because FIU's two safeties last year graduated, one of them Justin Halley's with the New York Giants and uh, right there the uh, safety spot is where it's a question for the defense but other than that, this defense is pretty well stacked going into 2015. How UCF does against them, uh, to be honest with you, I have not seen film of UCF only from what I've read. I think teams, if they are going to put points up on this FIU defense they may have to be over the top in challenging those safeties.
0: Yeah, we have a bunch of new wide receivers so that could be an interesting matchup for sure on special teams what do you think of uh, the kick and return game this year for FIU
2: uh, the kicking game, uh, Austin Taylor's the kicker. Uh, he has improved in his first two years here at FIU. He shares the program record for the longest field goal made, 52 yards, which he hit his freshman year against East Carolina. You know, his distance, that one was, I think was an aberration. You know, credit the kid, he did hit it. But his distance is between, you know, 35, 40 yards uh, is, is comfortable distance. The punting game, you have Chris Ayers who's coming back. Uh, he was the short game punter last year, FIU you had two punters last year we had a long guy like jose lapizando but he's graduated he would do the long kicking and Ayers was more the guy to knock it inside the 20 the return game and kick return game you have richard leonard who's probably one of the best in the country he has two 100 yard returns in his career at fiu his speed is very comparable to ty hilton who's now with the indianapolis colts and luckily for ucf in 11 they really didn't have to face ty because he got hurt in the first quarter of that game with fiu and had to sit out the rest of the game, who really was a decoy the rest of the game because he really couldn't run. Special teams wise, as far as the return, uh, Richard Leonard can put six on the board at any point.
0: You mentioned earlier that it was year three for head coach Ron Turner, improving from 1-11 and his first year to 4-8 and last year. Still, that's just 5-19. and Any talk of the hot seat for Coach Turner this year and how do you think FIU will fare in Conference USA this season?
2: No, I don't think there's, uh, I mean, I don't think there's any hot seat issues there. Last year they had four games they lost by three or less points, and three of those four were in the waning minutes of the fourth quarter. So it was a young team that just needed to needed to learn how to win, and hopefully they have that figured out this year. Conference USA is very competitive conference, and there is no superpower. Marshall may be the closest thing to that, but last year Marshall showed that they had some holes in them, and this year uh, Western Kentucky's the preseason darling with their quarterback Brandon Doty, who threw for over 4,500 yards last year. So. Those are probably the top of the conference but uh, they're certainly beatable both teams and I I think it's a wide wide open conference race.
0: What does their non-conference look like besides UCF?
2: After UCF they go to Indiana, play the Hoosiers, then they come home for the home opener against NC Central which they better win that game. (laughs) And and, um, they finish the non-conference schedule in October with a game at UMass.
0: Yeah, we have a game against Furman as well so we better win that one. That would be Quite embarrassing to lose some of those games, you know. Against the uh, there's been some other Florida teams though in the in the past that have definitely lost some ones that they shouldn't have just to, to uh, smaller division teams.
2: Well, I mean you don't have to go any further than FIU the last two years to Bethune Cookman.
0: They're a great team. Bethune is you know in their division of play that they play in they're they're one of the top teams. So right. I don't I don't think that that's really anything to to hang your head on for sure. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining us, taking time out of your day. We wish the best of luck to FIU in the uh, the game coming up and the rest of the season. All right. Thanks for having me on. So you travel a lot for work and fun. Have you ever thought about having just a little bit more insurance? TravelX gives you the peace of mind so you can take care of your family and loved ones. Click the link on our webpage. I'm just saying, accidents happen.
3: Kyle Israel, and you're listening to the Nightline Podcast.
1: Opportunity for local Knights fans in particular to check out two things with George O'Leary in game week. And for years now, I've gone to the uh, George O'Leary radio show Tuesday nights, 7 o'clock at the Recruiting Lounge. Mark Daniels hosts it. It airs on 740 different caterer every week. So a couple of bucks, you get a meal and beverage and a dessert, and you can talk UCF football. Not a lot of people go. I've got the same uh, folks that I, I sit with every week. George is very personable during this, Coach O'Leary, and he'll talk to you and talk to you during commercial breaks and come up to you before. So that's an opportunity for fans locally to uh, to go out to campus and uh, visit with Coach O'Leary. And then uh, Lunch with George returns. This week with the game, the home opener on Thursday. Typically that'll fall Fridays, though with all the different home games, I would say it typically falls Fridays, but three of the six are Fridays and three aren't. This one will be Wednesday, September 2 at noon, free chicken sandwiches to the first 75 and a Now that usually with faculty, staff, and students, they normally pack in a good crowd for that.
0: And that will be one day after our overtime on YouTube (laughs) exclusively comes
1: out. That's plug number four. So (laughs) uh, a couple of opportunities for local fans to you know get into each and every home game and get an opportunity to go out to campus and it's a good time
0: continuing our conversation about the UCF's upcoming season you talked to Tom James this week
1: we continue the conversation about UCF football with a two-time Edward R. Murrow award winner UCF alum Tom James has been a radio and ESPN3 TV play-by-play man for Florida Gulf Coast University basketball Since 2010, Tom is a part of the weekly syndicated college football radio show, Southern Pigskin Tonight. You'll find his UCF preview column on his website, TomJamesLive.com. And Tom and I logged some time many years ago with WUCF FM. Tom, thanks for joining us. These are not the same nights that uh, we saw when we were at UCF.
3: No, and Trace, we go back a long way, and that was a different era in UCF football. Who would have thunk it that UCF would be where it is today, really, starting to emerge you know into the big time of college football
1: and talk about that a little bit uh, you uh, you see it from a different perspective talk a little bit about what you're doing now where you are in the state and what you think the perception is of the UCF athletics program well
3: the respect- I think for UCF is growing. I spend uh, a large amount of my time in Ocala and in the central Florida, north central Florida area. And this is largely gator country here. And so what people see here is the traditional powers uh, as far as the sunshine state goes, you know, Florida, Florida state, Miami. They consider those the big three. It's old school. And I think it's a slow process for people to understand what UCF is about in the modern era. I mean, here's a school with one of the largest, you know, student bodies in the entire country. It's in the South. It's in a beautiful city. It's a destination. And what's starting to happen is kids are wanting to go to UCF, thus the football program has, you know, put together some big wins over the course of the last decade and a half, uh, capped off by the big win over Louisville a couple years ago. Then they won the Fiesta Bowl over Baylor. I think that's when people really started to take note. And people in this neck of the woods are, you know, really starting to understand that UCF is not just that secondary school anymore. Uh, they're, They're here to stay.
1: And you know when we had uh, college football writer Phil Steele on a few weeks back on the Nightline podcast he talked about this being a program now that reloads not rebuilds. You're out with a new column and a preview of the nights. Is that your take as well?
3: No question about it. Uh you know, it this is uh this is a place. I think the reloading thing stems from the fact that you know they have uh, put together uh, quite the resume now, which which I you know I mentioned before with the with the big win in the Fiesta Bowl, uh, big wins against uh, uh, traditional powers, and the fact that what we're seeing in the college football landscape across the nation is a migration south. Um, yes, Ohio State was able to win a national championship and finally get the Big Ten out of the doldrums, and that's. Uh, you know, on the on the northern end of, of our country. But if you really look at the history that the SEC's dominance, uh, you know, the dominance by more southern schools across the country from USC to, to all the way to Florida State, you know, people are moving south as a whole. And so what you have is uh, a place where, you know, th- these are destinations for kids also to want to go to college. You know, gone are the days where they want to spend uh, their football seasons in cold weather. They'd rather they'd rather play in warm weather, and that's UCF is benefiting from that big time.
1: As I mentioned in the intro to you, you're part of the uh, syndicated college football radio show, Southern Pigskin, tonight. How often does UCF get some mention on there, or is it dominated by the Power Five conferences?
3: UCF gets mentioned a lot when I'm on.
1: <laughs> that's good. <laughs>
3: But, you know, yeah, I think that is part of the process. Uh, Our show is is such a fabulous show. Uh, uh, Buddy Martin, who's uh, a very well-respected, uh, columnist and sports writer for decades. In fact, he's uh, right now working on an autobiography for uh, one of his longtime friends, Steve Spurrier. Uh, but Buddy sees things. You know, Buddy is self-admittedly will say, you know, I-, I see things as the big three. You know, and and for for me to understand that UCF is the future is hard. It's hard for him to do that. So you know, I've had to work on him a little bit to to get UCF into the conversation. But I, you know, I, I liken it to the way my Miami came into the big time 30 years ago. Miami was nothing when it beat Nebraska in the 83 Orange Bowl to win its first national championship. They were a secondary program at best in the country, had never had big-time success. And what happened is they burst on the scene and became a huge power uh, in a place and a destination where people wanted to go to school and it was cool and i i really look at ucf as being potentially the new miami
1: no i was just about to ask you that you know you're looking at a long view back 30 years how long until ucf can can pass miami i mean they've got that built-in advantage of being in a power 5 conference but ucf's pumping out 15,000 grads a year 60,000 student enrollment and as you mentioned that migration to the south more attention after the fiesta bowl win don't you feel uh, especially if miami struggles again this season and UCF is poised here, uh, if not top uh, big four, big 3.5 maybe. They get a little bit closer.
3: Yeah, I definitely think so. You know, getting into a Power 5 conference is, is going to be key. i got to believe that's going to happen because of the TV market, uh, if, if nothing else, for UCF at some point. The Big 12 is, you know, sort of dragging its feet as far as expanding. They say, well, we don't need to expand, even though that, you know They got left out of the college football playoff last year, and a lot of people believe the reason why that happened was because they didn't have a championship game, and they need to expand to have a championship game. And one of the names that you always hear is UCF. Well, what? What? How would they expand? Where would the Big 12 go? And UCF is one of those schools that you hear, well, they might be the one to fill one of those two spots. So those are the things that have to happen, I think, for UCF to fully complete its journey into, quote-unquote, big-time college football. But as long as they keep winning and as long as they keep having big games like they had uh, in the Fiesta Bowl and players like they have, like Blake Bortles, who gets picked third in the NFL draft and is also a good start in the NFL, it, it, it's going to happen.
1: You mentioned the uh, 2015 preview is on TomJamesLive.com. Talk a little bit about your assessment of the Knights, Uh, some concern on the part of fans. We don't know what we're going to see at wide receiver, what we're going to see on defense. Still, there are some strengths. What's your take on the uh, upcoming season?
3: Well, wide receiver is the big unknown. There's no question about it. Uh, A lot of losses on offense, guys getting drafted. Uh, Justin Holman, in my estimation, now a junior at quarterback, the real deal. Is he another Blake Bortles? Well, I don't know about that. Okay. Uh, but, but he's the real deal. Um, and he's going to have to find a way to get his receivers to grow up fast because they are young. Um, and I think so, some of the pressure offensively is going to be uh, taken off by the fact that Will Stanback uh, is such a great running back. Um, and that will, I think, help keep defenses on their toes a little bit the fact that they'll have to key on him and that will open up wide receivers a little bit, help them get oriented, help them get you know their feet wet a little bit. Uh, so, But that is an unknown. There's no question about it. Where UCF's biggest, biggest unknown is with the receiving core offensively.
1: And then on the defensive side of the ball?
3: Well, defensively, I mean, you look at last year. I mean, this team was locked down defensively uh, last year, and I think they're just reloading. Yeah, they lost... Uh, seven guys on defense from the defense last year that was the fifth best defense in the country, UCF. So they were about as good as anybody last year. Now, a lot of those guys are gone, but that's where we talk about the reloading factor. The guys that were waiting in the wings last year or the new recruits, they know what they have to live up to. And, wait, I I mean – UCF is bringing in quality guys every single year, so uh, I think they know what they have to live up to. I think they're going to be flying at the ball all year long, and I don't expect all that much of a drop-off, quite honestly, uh, defensively for for George O'Leary and and the, the UCF defense next year.
1: Tough tests on the road at Stanford, at South Carolina. Do you think UCF has at least a chance of splitting those two?
3: I definitely think they have a chance, a good chance, in both those games. I mean, you know, you got to look at both Stanford and South Carolina are teams that they hope are kind of in a situation where they can bounce back from uh, a down year, especially South Carolina, from, from last year. They were a top 10 team were the Gamecocks uh, heading into the season last year, and it all went south for them. It was a lost year for, for Coach Spurrier, uh, so they're wanting to put it back together. But you know, I don't know if the if the HBC is ready for UCF. So we'll see if the head ball coach uh, is ready for for what UCF uh, brings to the table. Because uh, you know, a lot of people felt UCF short. Still, that is they, uh, South Carolina is right for the picking, and UCF uh in what is it week four i think yeah, it, it you know could could go in there and pull off a huge win another big win for the program i mean these two played a couple of years ago and it was uh i think it was a two-point game
1: yeah that tough, uh, tough game at home that 28 25 i think it was the three-point game
3: three-point game that's right so no strangers is george o'leary to uh, Steve Spurrier's uh, way of playing. So that, I think, is a a very winnable game for UCF. And I don't think I'm going – I don't think I'm too much of a homer by saying that. I really think that's a winnable game. I think Stanford's a winnable game, too. That might be a little tougher. It's hard to know. But in my estimation, if the Knights can come up with a split in those two games, I think that gives them a lot of confidence uh, heading into the conference I think that helps their psyche, especially these young guys, the young receivers. Um, and, and I really feel like a 10-win season, again, uh, is, is a possibility uh, for UCF.
1: Before we let you go, uh, tell fans how they can find you on the various social uh, media platforms and, uh, and where they can find Southern Pigskin tonight.
3: Yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, check me out on my website. It's TomJamesLive.com, and uh, that's kind of my my central point for all the things that, that I'm involved with, which is uh, Florida Gulf Coast University basketball. I do EFPN3 play-by-play for them and, and radio uh, as well for those guys. Uh, Southern Peak Skin tonight uh, is uh, heard on 8 to 10 different radio stations, I believe, in Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina uh, Terry Bradshaw is our uh, weekly guest for us. Uh, Buddy Martin, myself, Tom Schmitz, uh, and we talk Southern college football, and that's really what it's about. Is uh, is that? So that's heard uh, in the North Central Florida area on Thursdays and Friday nights. And uh, I do lots and ends of other play-by-play stuff as well, doing some documentary work down in Southwest Florida. Uh, for FGCU basketball, too. We have another documentary uh, ready to launch here in November on the Florida uh, Gulf Coast women's basketball team. So we've done a series of those.
1: Very good. And be sure to... to
3: I try to keep busy.
1: Be sure to keep pumping up UCF in north-central Florida for us, okay?
3: You never have to worry about that, my man.
1: Tom James joining us. Thanks so much.
3: You got it. Thank you guys for having me. Go Knights.
1: So you know what they say, what happens
0: in Vegas stays in Vegas. We don't need to know about your fun-filled weekend in the city of Sin, but we hope you'll click the ad on our website. It's right there to the left, the one that screams you have to save up to 50% off your next trip to Vegas. Just click on the ad and we promise never to talk about what happened in Vegas.
3: This is Brandon Hellwig, publisher of UCFSports.com, and you are listening to the UCF Nightline Podcast.
1: A couple weeks ago, we went game by game, got a sense of the season, made some predictions, and we said we would revisit it in the week before the season opener. I think you went with UCF being 10-2. and two. Any change for you?
0: Nope, no change. I'm going to stay with that losses being
1: at Temple and at Stanford. Yeah, that's the one uh, you really think we're going to get killed as is the, uh, the Stanford. I had initially thought that the 10-2, and two, but then I went back, and uh, I'm going 9-3, and three, uh, Stanford loss, South Carolina loss. I, in my heart can i think you know believe ucf can win that yeah i want to believe ucf can win that yeah it's a road game at an sec opponent I, I, I think that's tough uh and the halloween night at cincinnati i don't know that it necessarily costs ucf the aac title but i i think that may be a tough uh, spot for ucf uh in a, in a prime time game at cincinnati so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with nine and three okay let's do predictions for this week this week ucf wins there's no question there and uh, fire up the suicide hotline if that doesn't happen. Your score? Uh, I'm gonna go something like thirty seven thirteen. Uh last time we played FIU down there, uh in Miami, I think it was like thirty eight nothing, a real lackluster game, uh but uh I-, I think you know, George O'Leary's teams don't win sixty two to three. Uh, he'll have a lot of substitution. A lot of people will see. Hopefully, hopefully it's not any sort of tight game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, he gives people an opportunity, shuffles people in and out. Um, no no injuries. You know, you always hope for that. Uh, and then with it being a Thursday game, uh, a couple extra days to prepare for Stanford. I don't think everybody's going to be looking ahead with that season opener. So
0: 37-13. I'm going to say 21-10. Hmm, close. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little closer than you think.
1: So you would... Uh, I think that FI- uh, you mentioned Vegas earlier. We had the Vegas spot. So you'd take the sixteen and a half, seventeen 17 points, and you'd take FIU I, with the points. I don't know what they're saying. What are they saying in, in Vegas? 16.5 to 17, depending on the line you look at. Okay. Right around there. So,
0: yeah, I'll just, you know, 21 10. I think that's what it's going to be. I, I don't think it's going to be a big blowout. I think that our guys still need to get their feet under them. And this will be the first, you know,. We've talked about this before. It's the first time that they've played anybody besides themselves. So there's going to be huge mistakes made.
1: I think that's the way that it's going to turn out. All right. We will revisit these next week and uh, see who was closest. I'm so, comforted by the fact that you're almost always wrong on predictions. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, I, whatever. I'd like it's you to true. be wrong about that being close. It's true. Yeah.
0: I hope it's not. I hope it's, you know, 62 to 10. Or three. Not
1: typical of a George O'Leary coach team. Except
0: when taken. we play Connecticut every once in a while. Well, last year we didn't do that against no, Connecticut, but the last year before. Year. It didn't so happen last year. We need to do it again and take that little trophy
1: that they made. <laughs> I can't wait for that uh, I, trophy yeah. week. Civil Conflict Week. I think We need we an need opening to... for Civil Conflict Week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the sound of civil war. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. All right, some NFL news. Blake Bortles had a heck of a game the other night.
1: Yeah, as the preseason continues in the NFL. Final stats for him at the uh, Jaguars' homepage. 20 of 29, 245 yards and a touchdown. What The part I like here is is he was their leading rusher, too. Yeah. <laughs> Four carries for 38 yards, including a long of 12. Not as impressive. Storm Johnson, two carries minus three yards. So he had three less yards than you did. <laughs> yeah, and he...
0: Uh... I don't, he made I don't know if he's going to make it. He I made don't. it through the first round of cut, so that's good. Uh, there was some other Perryman, of course, has not played. That's Renette starting to
1: become concerning. Yeah,
0: the and way. they've made statements about it that he, I don't think that he's going to be ready for the season.
1: He so. hasn't gotten the reps he needs uh, Yeah, he hasn't uh, been game out there action. at all,
0: so that sucks for him. Uh, I don't know. He must be injured more than they're letting on with a, a knee, I believe it is. Rennell Hall had a good game the other night against... I can't remember who they were
1: playing. but He is really trying to make the most of the opportunity. He um, had punt returns, kick
0: returns. He alternated kick returns, and he ran one back like to the 30. and, and uh, Honestly, a couple more blocks there, and he could have taken it to the house. He got pushed off on the sideline. Um, he did drop some passes. I'm not sure what his stats were there. Um, Kamar Aiken was all over the media this week because... Uh, one of the Washington Redskins, I can't remember who that was, but tackled him um, in a brutal fashion. It's kind of body If you slammed. haven't seen
1: the video, yeah, it's don't. Unbelievably, <laughs> I mean, you just cringe. You cringe because he
0: easily could have had his his neck broken. To be honest, no with doubt you about that. it, and that's why that uh, Harbaugh got in uh, Jay Gruden's face after that, and then Steve Smith got kicked out, and it was a big deal. Um, he, nobody should ever hit anybody like that it wasn't a football hit it was a it was a worldwide uh or wwe kind of thing and and it has no no place in football whatsoever
1: absolutely not received uh, in the mail my esp the magazine uh with its nfl breakdown uh got the jags in fourth only projecting like five wins for them and and this is the part they write off the top a sampling of opinion on Blake Bortles quote i'm not feeling it one coach says another coach says he looked lost And then they write, and now the good news, according to one personnel director, quote, for the beating he was taking, he was pretty poised about it. Really, they write, the problems in Jacksonville are so widespread, 26th in both points and yards allowed in 2014, that it's unfair to bury Bortles, even if he did have the fifth lowest quarterback rating for a rookie since 2006. So there are other things. They need more pieces, but obviously you want to see uh, growth from Blake Bortles in year two. And he's acknowledged that as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and he, if you watched the other night at all, if anybody, if any of y'all watched, he kind of, to me looked like the guy that, that played, you know, his last year here at UCF, just, you know, making those third down, you know, throws, just throwing them, you know, right in there, throwing them fast and, and on the, the button, you know, it was, it was good to see him playing like that. It, it's Something that we haven't seen from him in the NFL, but I think this game he definitely had it going back again.
1: So your UCF players still there hanging on. I don't know if Storm Johnson's going to make it, but there seems to be opportunities for other guys to uh, to make starting rosters. And uh, so far, so good as as cuts begin to happen now in the NFL halfway through the preseason.
0: Yeah, I know Terrence Plummer's having a good year up there in uh, Washington. I'm not sure what happened in the game because I, I think the only coverage really was that that horrible tackle that that happened there on uh kamar Aiken, so anyway, we will find out a little bit more about that. I do need to update the web page as well with uh some moves that that people have made. Time for news and notes u c f women's soccer scored three first half goals. At Miami on Sunday, only to give up three second half goals to the Hurricanes. It's unbelievable on both sides of that. That's almost, six goals. Almost as bad as Orlando City. No, that's, that's not bad. UCF senior Ashley Spivey netted the game winning goal in double overtime, and UCF improved to 3 and 1. Next up, Old Miss
1: on September 4th. Host UCF Volleyball won the weekend. This is a long name for a tournament. Holiday in Orlando East, UCF Area Invitational Championship at the venue on UCF's campus. Next up, Friday versus Drake. They're heading out to Omaha, Nebraska, for the Omaha Classic. UCF men's soccer crushed FAU 5-0
0: in the season opener at the UCF Soccer Stadium. Sophomore Mateus Pisalo... Tallied two goals and two assists. Next up, UCF travels to Florida
1: Gulf Coast on Wednesday. UCF men's basketball head coach Donnie Jones announced the hiring of longtime NBA assistant coach Tom Sterner as the Knights director of program development. UCF
0: cross-country team is back practicing. Run, run, run. The new season (laughs) kicks off
1: September 4th at the University of Tampa Classic. UCF baseball head coach Terry Rooney announced the Knights 19-member signing class, the uh, new group. Features 10 junior college transfers, 9 freshmen. UCF junior designated hitter Matt DiOrio, meantime, was tabbed one of the 2015 Alaska Summer League Top 10 prospects by Baseball America. Left-hand pitcher Drew Feintich was named a perfect game top prospect in the Great Lakes Summer League.
0: Former UCF wide receiver and current Orlando Predators offensive
1: coordinator Sia Burley named the Arena Football's Assistant Coach of the Year. Congratulations to that former night. And again, folks, remember... Have we mentioned it a time or three here? Over time, coming Tuesday, our football preview edition.
0: It is, it is. On and YouTube. We're going to still continue to work on that. We've got a lot of video and all that stuff to edit. It's going to be cool. There's a brand new opening that I did up. That's exciting. That you did up. All right, a shout out to John Swift, our very own John Swift. Got married this weekend. I saw some beautiful pictures on Facebook and stuff, so... Good going there uh, for the both of you, and I hope you have uh, a nice honeymoon and and all that stuff. And hopefully, John Swift will come back soon.
1: After his honeymoon.
0: Rejoin us. This has been episode number 49. I'm Andrew Fegley.
1: I'm Trace Troico. Beat FIU. Go nice. Charge on. UCF charge onto the field With our spirits
3: we'll never yield Black and gold charge right through the light Victory is our cry BSETO or life Tonight our nights will shine